Hello, this is episode three of season three. And in this episode, I'll be taking you through the top five money-saving ideas that homeowners tell me they're going to use on their project. And I'll be sharing why they may not save you as much money as you think, or even worse, they can end up costing you far more in the long run. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Our Get It Right podcast partner this season is Kiko LED. So Kiko LED is customizable DIY LED strip lighting that you can order online to your specifications for your needs and your project. So perhaps you've been looking for that integrated designed lighting solution and you found it really hard to access as a one-off for your project. It's expensive to get made to order or it requires your electrician to do a bunch of work on site to make it happen. But you can just see that LED strip lighting channel concealed in your joinery or perhaps included in the walls of your stair void or around the edge of your deck to add drama in the evenings. Then I really encourage you to check out Kiko LED and that's Kiko K-I-I-K-O. Now previously this level of customization and design for lighting solutions it was only accessible to those in the trade and Kiko instead brings custom linear LED to you from their headquarters in Brisbane Australia and it's all able to be ordered online via the Kiko website. So you pick your design, you pick your length, you pick your LED light type. If you need help with designing your LED strip lighting solution, you can always jump on the phone or email one of their team as well. And I've been able to organise with Kiko a fantastic UA community only offer. So if you head to their website at www.kiko.com.au forward slash undercover architect, you'll be able to access a $25 discount to use on your first order. And that link will be in the show notes as well. So pricing starts at $95 per lineal meter plus shipping. So it's great quality, really affordable product that can really offer that lighting design edge that you may be looking forward to make your new home or renovation project feel great. Now on with the episode. This episode is about the top five reasons or ideas that I hear homeowners use to explain how and why they'll save big money in their renovation or their new build. And I'm going to share why these can be a huge mistake and they can actually cost you far more in the long run. These money-saving ideas, you know, it's not even about them just costing more. The most dangerous thing can be when you're using them as the reason that you can actually afford your project. And then things go wrong and budgets blow out and you're left with money stresses or an unfinished project. Now, I've got a bit to get through, so I'm going to jump right in. So money-saving idea number one is that I can get cheap tiles or paint or timber or some other finish or material or product via a friend or a family member or a connection, so I'm going to save loads of money. 
So this is, as I said, where homeowners, they'll have some kind of relationship or a special connection for certain materials and products, and it may be via their own employment or through a friend or a family member. Now, firstly, there's two things to know about this. The first is that not all builders will allow you to supply materials or products of your own into the build or renovation project. And secondly, it's that in a building or renovation project, the finishes and the fixtures will actually make up quite a small percentage of your overall costs of building or renovating. I remember in my days at Mervac, we would design the whole project and we'd get to the pointy end of choosing and finalising finishes. And we'd have meetings and, you know, with all the different heads of departments and all the different parts of the business. And discussions would occur for so long about choosing a different tile and reselecting different things to save, say, $5 a square metre. Now, when you're thinking of a few hundred apartments or houses, you know, $5 a square metre saving is certainly worth chasing. However, as architects and interior designers, we would spend hours and hours sourcing less expensive finishes that we were still satisfied with that would try and achieve these savings. So one day, just out of interest, we sat down and we analysed what percentage of the overall building costs the actual finishes and finishes made up. And, you know, we would, because seriously, we were tying ourselves in knots chasing these savings. Now, what we found was that finishes and fixtures made up less than 20% of the overall building costs. So what were the big costs? Well, they were in the structure and the shape and the space that we created as well. So the big savings would actually come, and this is what we found, the big savings would come from the strategies and the way that we designed the actual building in order to improve the speed and the ease of construction. You know, examining how to be more efficient with the services so they didn't have to run as long distances or be as convoluted. And another was, you know, maximising the actual use of the materials that we were selecting. You know, I'll never forget there was one design exercise that we did in an apartment building where we sized the the actual bathroom and ensuite vanities specifically so that we could totally max out the amount of stone that we were getting out of each slab because you pay for the whole slab of stone. So we were trying to minimise wastage and make sure that we could afford to have stone bench tops in this apartment by using every single bit of it. Now, you know, these are big scale projects that I'm talking about and a big company, but the same rationale definitely applies to an individual home or a renovation. So the saving that you're achieving by sourcing discounts on specific materials and pro- and products, it may be meaningful to you and it may be a saving, but there may be other areas as well that you can focus your efforts and attention in to save far more money and areas that will have a far bigger impact on your overall project costs. So I would also recommend that you don't rely on these connections and these savings as the reason that you can afford your project either because renovations and new home projects, they take a while. So sometimes they can take, you know, up to two years to finish and and the cost of materials and products do move and particularly labour costs do move over that period of time. So you could get a nasty surprise during the course of your project. It's also worth understanding that you can expose yourselves to a huge amount of risk by sourcing your own materials and products separate to the builder. And this is where, you know, money saving efforts can actually cost you far more in the long run. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in another money saving idea. 
Now, money saving idea number two is that homeowners are going to save money building or renovating because they say my friend or my family member or a friend of a friend is a builder or an electrician or a plumber and they're going to be doing the job for us at cost or for free or they're going to do us a really good deal. Now, it can be advantageous having someone in your friendship circle or in the family that can assist with your renovation or building project, you know, and this can be running and executing the whole project for you as a builder or in doing one component or trade as a tradesperson. And yes, this is a cost-saving opportunity, definitely, but it can also come at a price. And when it does go wrong, I've just seen it go so terribly wrong that it can also cost far more than any saving you were chasing. You know, it can all start with excellent intentions. And as I said, there have been times where I've seen it be used to the homeowner's success. However, it's always worth warning you so that you can go in eyes wide open of what can go wrong so that you can determine upfront how you're going to protect yourself and your project and your budget. All right. Because honestly, I've seen very many examples of this going terribly wrong on projects. Now, I've got three examples of where this will go wrong when you're using a friend or a family member for a build or renovation or for an individual trade within one of those projects. So the first example is when a project can run extensively over time because you use a family friend as a builder. Now, if you're using a friend or a family member to provide discounted or free services, they'll generally be juggling your work and your project with others as well because, you know, they still need to make a living and need to, you know, satisfy their own requirements for income. So this can mean actually having delays in your starting because they'll take on uh, projects that have got, you know, paid projects that have got a greater priority than yours. It can also mean that there's not a dedicated supervisor to your project because, you know, your friend, the builder, for example, is they're trying to do it themselves so that they can save that additional staff cost. And, you know, that means that, they, that, that they'll be juggling things and that the work can potentially take longer, that trades aren't necessarily being well coordinated, and that the overall project management isn't happening as proactively or as seamlessly. And it can also mean that you as homeowners are being relied on for far more project management than you necessarily signed up for or that you originally intended. And this may mean that you're calling tradespeople and you're making sure that, you know, they can get access to site and you're around to get them going and inform them. So, you know, these time delays, they can cost extra cash to fund, especially if you're renting whilst this is going on. And they can cause huge stress because, you know, your end dates keep changing and you're having to juggle things around it. So it's really difficult not having a reliable deadline and seeing work progressing on site as expected. And that can put a strain on any working relationship, let alone a family one or a friendship one. So my tip is if you're planning on using a friend or a family member as a tradesperson or a builder, that you have some open, honest communication with them up front about timing and the impact on your life overall. You know, if you can get clarity around what flexibility you're going to need to have then and what contingencies you're going to need to build into your project and to your life, then that can be really helpful moving forward. The second example of what can go wrong, wrong is when a project runs extensively over cost due to using a friend or a family member. So one of the pitfalls that I regularly see happen is that when homeowners embark on building or renovating with the services of a friend or a family member is that they treat the situation far more casually than if they were contracting a builder or a tradesperson formally. And this can mean 
just not signing contracts at all. It can mean not formalising the costs or payment schedules and it can mean commencing the project with actually having an accurate handle on what it's going to cost overall. And, you know, if you picture this as a scenario, you know, what happens when you push a rock off the top of a hill? You know, it starts slowly rolling down, you know, the hill and then it gains speed and then it, you know, really picks up and it's hurtling towards the bottom of the hill where it's just taking out everything in its path and crashing in a terrible mess. And it's what it can actually feel like, and I've seen this happen for for homeowners as this process unfolds for them because, you know, you, you've started thinking that you're, you can afford this project and, and you've got this great relationship with a friend or a family member who's going to take care of things for you. And you discover these small oversights, you know, which mean that there's problems with the costing accuracy or there's assumptions that they've made that you didn't actually mean. And so things are going to cost more to deliver it exactly as you want because that wasn't communicated up front. And, you know, that detail wasn't understood. And because there's no contract, there's there's nothing formally, you know, binding the conduct of either of, of you or your friend or family member except a whole lot of trust and an existing relationship that you're obviously both trying to preserve. So it can be really difficult then in that environment to have awkward conversations when you're unhappy or you're wanting something to be different or you're wanting more information about something. So, you know, slowly but surely these cost oversights, they gain momentum and they keep adding up. And, you know, they have you blowing your budget as well as your, you know, particularly as a project nears that finish line, really high stress scenario. And this, any savings that you are seeking on, you know, achieving by using a friend or a family member, they just don't exist anymore. And or they're too impossible for you to even quantify in the chaotic mess of decisions that you've had to make along the way, particularly under stress. The other thing too is to consider if you don't have a contract in place, you know, and you've been using a friend or a family member, the other is that what happens if something goes wrong after the build is finished? You know, contracts protect you in that scenario. And if you don't have a contract, how do you go about getting it rectified? You know, it's great if things go well and all your relationships are intact when the project is finished, but if they don't go well and things are stressed and strained, then it can get very hairy. And, you know, this leads me on, I suppose, to the third mistake and the third example of what can go wrong when you use a friend or a family member in a build or renovation project. So the third and last example is not only when it costs time and money blowouts, but that your friendship or relationship is destroyed in the process as well. So I was once contacted by a homeowner who'd actually used family to build her home. And, you know, things had things had gone from bad to worse. They'd taken longer than expected. They'd cost far more than had been predicted. And what was actually supposed to be a great and generous way for her to afford to build in the budget that she had, had ended up looking like this. So the builder, who was actually a family member, had left the site unfinished. And he had taken her drawings with him and his crew. And so she had no documentation to go about trying to get the project finished. She didn't know where approvals were at. She was scraping together the funds to try and get the project completed by other people. And she was also trying to 
secure her drawings back and see if there was legal ways that she could compel, you know, this family member to do that. But she had no contract in place. So, you know, you can imagine how difficult this was and how, you know, she just wasn't protected in the process. And, you know, you may say, look, I'd never let myself get into that situation. I'd never let things get that bad, you know, or it'd never turn out with that, like that with my friend or my family member, you know, we're not like that. But you've got to remember that it can be really difficult to know what's going to happen in any one person's life, you know, at a moment's notice. And unexpected things can happen that people deal with in very different ways and that can really derail the best laid plans. So, you know, and if you add to that the fact that you're outlaying big amounts of money generally when you're building or renovating and you're dealing with something as emotional as your home, this is a, it's just a cocktail for stress and for really testing relationships. And so, you know, my tip in this scenario is that you make sure that you protect yourself legally, that you picture the worst case scenario that could possibly happen. And it may never happen. You know, that may be the good news. But if, if your friendship or relationship with your builder or tradie, who's a friend or a family member, falls apart, what will you have in place to make sure that you are going to get your project finished without it costing you in time, money and stress? If you can protect yourself, that will ultimately protect the relationship anyway. Now, money saving idea number three that homeowners tell me that they'll use to save money is that they're going to buy all of their fixtures and finishes separate to the builder's contract. And they're going to save money because they're going to hunt for bargains. They'll not have to pay the builder's margin either on the sourcing or the coordination of all of these items. Now, this is good in theory, and I've seen many homeowners save money this way, definitely. However, there are some pitfalls to be aware of so that you can protect yourself up front. Now, first is, is that not all builders will be happy for you to do this in working with them. And it's not because they're on a money grab. It's because the timely supply of fixtures and finishes is actually critical to them delivering on deadlines. So if they're relying on you to get this all sorted, then that may impact how they can manage their work and then what their contractual obligations under their contract is. Secondly, is that you need to be really clear about who owns the item and who fixes it if something goes wrong. So, for example, you know, if you're responsible for buying your own ensuite toilet and it gets installed by your builder and your plumber and the project gets finished and then the toilet stops working. So who do you call to get the toilet fixed? Do you call the builder? Do you call the supplier? Who's responsible for covering the cost of the repair? You sourced the toilet, but the builder installed it, you know. Do you actually know if the builder installed it to the manufacturer's specifications? Was the builder supplied with the manufacturer's specifications? You know, was the product faulty when it was installed? Does the supplier's warranty cover the cost of just replacing the item? So they'll give you a new one, but they're not going to cover the cost of the plumber and the builder being there to pull it out and disconnect the plumbing and reconnect everything and rectify any tile work that needs to be rectified. You know, you can see how all these grey areas could cost you loads more money, you know, all because you were sourcing the toilet yourself and, you know, to, to save some cash. So it's worth understanding this up front because, again, picturing the worst case scenario and determining if and how you can protect yourself is really imperative in you making this decision to do this on your project. 
Now, thirdly, I wanted to mention that, you know, you sourcing the products yourselves might not save you as much money as you believe. Many builders will actually get access to big discounts because they have relationships with suppliers or they source a volume of products across, you know, one year on many projects. So they get a much more significant discount. And they may also get trade access to products that you just can't even get access to at a retail level. So my tip is, if you're considering this, have the conversation with your builder about it. How will they see it working? And, you know, what? Who? how will these grey areas get handled? Who will own the item? And, you know, is this something that they regularly do with their other clients and that they're used to having in these arrangements? You know, try to quantify the savings as well and really determine if it's going to be worth your effort and your time to do this on your project. Now, money-saving idea number four, homeowners tell me, is that they're going to project manage their project to save some money. Now, I'm only going to talk briefly on this because seriously, this is, this is a whole topic full of pitfalls and tips of its own. But I will say this first. I firmly believe that any project needs a project manager. And what I mean by this is that your builder is not your project manager. They are their project manager. You know, so it, I suppose what I mean is that you need somebody on site who is representing you in your project and has your interests at heart. Now, your builder will be doing this, of course, as they build or renovate your project. But they, of course, they're also representing their company and their business and they're seeking to run a profitable business. So the choices that they make in that in that process and in that mindset, you know, they may be driven by other agendas that aren't necessarily in alignment with what you are specifically seeking. And they may make choices that aren't always exactly how you would have wanted them to be. So I always recommend that you have someone being your agent on site who is specifically charged with protecting your interests and helping manage the project and manage the builder in that process. So this can include being on site weekly to check progress against the drawings and the contract and make sure that things are being built as per the drawings and the contract answering questions that may come up from the builder on a regular basis. They may be reviewing the work that's been done before you sign off a payment of progress that the builder's claiming. And they may be dealing with any tricky or challenging situations or conversations that need to be have regarding, say, the standard of work or what's been done on site. So by all means, you can be your own agent. You can be this person. You know, I know homeowners that absolutely love stepping into this role on their project and they're really happy to be there on site. They love overseeing the work and the progress. They love having weekly meetings with the builder, being involved, being invested. They know how to read drawings. They know their project inside and out and they can understand building terminology and they'll research, they'll they'll get informed and then they'll often have consultants in their back pocket that they can call on when they need to and just pay them hourly rates when they you know have uh, specific questions that they can't answer or need to check in on decisions about things. However, if you're not someone who can proactively understand the building process and confidently have difficult conversations, you're not able to be available to be on site at a moment's notice or regularly, and you're not able to answer the phone if and when the builder calls with a question, then being your own agent, being your own project manager may not be for you. I've been asked if whether being a project manager is actually a full-time job and it's not, but there's a caveat, okay? If you and your project are fully prepared before construction starts, then 
project management is not a full-time job. So this means a comprehensive set of drawings that show how work needs to be delivered on site at a detail level. Making decisions about finishes and fixtures and all of those things selected and the builder understanding where they need to source them from and then understanding timelines and also working with a builder who really understands your project and has been proactive as well. You know, the biggest challenge that I see happen is that when, you know, if if, not, if this hasn't been all laid out before you start construction and you just don't know what you don't know. And so trying to remain three steps ahead of a process and a project when you're totally outside your comfort zone and you're not knowing how to anticipate things and work with your builder in that capacity, you know, that can be a really stressful place to be. And especially while you're trying to juggle, you know, work and family and a life, that's when I see people taking on project management go terribly wrong. So, you know, my tip is if you're planning to project manage your job in order to save money on having that type of role on site, either with a project manager or with your architect or designer, then I'd recommend that you be really honest with yourself about whether you have the skills or the inclination or the time to dedicate to your project, you know, all the flexibility in your life so that you can be on site, you know, regularly and answering phone calls. Because, you know, delays on site, They'll either cost you money or the builder will just progress without your input and the results may not be what you want and they may cost you money to change later. So I've got a couple of blogs on project managers and I'll pop the links to those in the show notes so that you can read more about this if you've been thinking about this for your project. Now, money-saving idea number five is it's definitely the biggest money-saver idea that I hear homeowners share with me. And this is the one where they tell me that they're going to do it as an owner-builder. And again, this is another topic that I could talk about at length, but I'm going to just mention it briefly here because there are some situations where being an owner-builder can save money. You know, when an, when an owner-builder has skills of their own, they really dedicate themselves to the, their building or renovation project as a formal project. And they can also perform a significant amount of the labour on site. Then this is a big cost-saving opportunity. However, and it's a big however, research shows that almost two-thirds of owner-builder projects go over their budgets. So when it does go wrong, then, you know, in my experience, it doesn't just go a little bit wrong, it goes terribly wrong. For example, I recently heard a story of some homeowners who took on their project as an owner-builder and they were doing an extension to their home and they thought that they'd run it as an owner-builder and then just hire all the trades directly. So the plumbers ended up actually not doing their work properly, but as owner-builders, they didn't really have the skills to know what to look for to check that the plumbers had done their work properly. And so they didn't discover that the plumbing work didn't actually work and that it hadn't been done properly until everything was you know, sheeted up and, and that part of the house was partially finished and they'd actually moved back into that area. And so the water went on, things broke and caused far more damage. And they're now past their initial intended finish date by actually a couple of years. They've been in battles with the plumber to get things sorted and trying to get things rectified at the plumber's cost. You know, they've also been in conversations with builders to try and get builders to come to site and just take care of things for them so it can be done properly and get finished. And it's looking like it's going to cost $200,000 more 
than what they had planned when they set out as an owner builder. So owner building is not for the faint hearted and there are legal requirements that you need to adhere to both as you build and beyond. So my tip is that if you're planning on being an owner builder, that you map out your project in as much detail as you can before you start, that you get professional help and training, not just the owner builder license, but you get actual professional help and training in the overall process, that you understand your obligations legally and financially and that you treat it like a project and you understand where your skills gaps are going to need support. See too if you there's going to be implications on your ability to secure finance as well because some banks won't lend to owner builders or they'll make you jump through a lot more hoops. Okay, so those five reasons or money-saving ideas that homeowners tell me they're going to use to save money on their project are, number one, I can get cheap tiles or paint or timber via a friend or a family member, so I'm going to save loads of money. Number two is my friend or my family member is a builder or an electrician or a plumber, and they're going to be doing the job for us at cost or at cheap rates or for free. And number three is that I'm going to buy all of my fixtures and finishes separate to the contract. So I'm going to save money by bargain hunting and cutting out the builder's margin. Number four, I'm going to project manage my project and save money that way. And number five is I'm going to do it as an owner builder and save money that way. Now, these are really the top five reasons. And, you know, but there's lots of other reasons that homeowners will share with me about how they're going to save money on their project. And, you know, these are things like they're going to get a builder to do it to lock up and then they're going to finish off the rest themselves. So all of the fit out and joinery and painting They're going to do flat pack joinery for their kitchens and their bathrooms and save money that way. They're going to source materials and products from discount stores and secondhand. They're going to build a high-end home, but they're going to source imitation finishes and fixtures from budget places so that they'll get the same look without the bling price tag. They're going to provide labour for the builder themselves and, you know, get some mates to help them out as well. And their neighbour did it for a bargain price, so they're going to use the same builder and also get it for a bargain price. Now, please understand there are ways to save money on your project and some of these are ways. Some of these have worked for people. Some of these have worked for me personally, but I need you to go in eyes wide open to these scenarios and understand what all the potential worst case scenarios and pitfalls are because when they go wrong, they cost far more than any saving you were ever chasing in the first place. And I also want you to understand there's no magic pill about this. There's no one hidden secret that's going to save money on your project and that you'll be the first person to find. You know, saving money on your project really comes from one one cost-saving trick or one cost-saving discovery. What does save money is being prepared, being informed and being strategic. So, you know, all these things are key to saving money. And I'm going to be sharing more about this as we move forward through this season of the podcast. Now, before we go, have you checked out the Kiko LED website yet? Now, remember to head to the website using the link www.kiko.com.au. So that's K-I-I-K-O.com.au forward slash undercover architect so that you can grab your UA community only $25 discount. Now, take a look at the Kiko robe. So it's a circular strip light fixture, so like a tube. And remember, you can order these as long as you want them to be because you can order them by the lineal meter. So the tube is 24 millimetres in diameter or 2.4 centimetres or almost an inch. And the light diffuser itself covers about half of the circumference of the light fitting. So 
you can actually hang this this tube, this light fitting on suspension cables. And believe it or not, you can use it as the hanging rod in your wardrobe. That's why it's called Kiko Robe. So it's a light and a hanging rail. Now, if your robe is anything like mine, and you may have seen me take a photo of my robe, which I record my podcast in <laughs> and pop it on Instagram because I had to re-record this episode because my tummy was grumbling so much <laughs> the last time I recorded it, I'd skip breakfast. But if your robe is like mine, you know, you probably have coat hangers jammed up on on your hanging rail and you won't actually get a lot of light out of it if you have it as the light as well. But this would be beautiful suspended in the middle of the robe. It's such a fine and elegant fixture and I can see it being used in other areas of the house as well to great effect. Just because it's so slender and slimline, I think it would be a really lovely touch if you're not wanting that more rectangular or boxy LED strip lighting. So join me next time because in the next episode, I'm going to be giving you tips on how to avoid blowing your budget before you even begin. Now, whether you're building or you're renovating, there's some important checks to do well before you start designing, before you barrel into your project that can really save you big money and avoid you blowing your budget. Until then. Thank you for tuning in to the Get It Right podcast with Undercover Architect. Now, if you head to the Undercover Architect website, you'll see loads more helpful information on how to get it right when designing, building or renovating your home simply and with confidence. Not only can you see all the podcast episodes there, there's also a wealth of written blogs and of videos too covering all sorts of topics. And there's other ways as well that Undercover Architect can give you more support and guidance for your project. Now, if you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please subscribe so that you always get notified of new episodes as soon as they go live. And I'd love it too if you could please leave a review. I <laughs> know that iTunes doesn't make it easy to leave a review, but when you do, this is super helpful in spreading the word that this podcast exists to others who really need to hear it to get help with planning their future homes. This has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. Thank you for listening and for letting me be your secret ally. Looking forward to next time. Bye. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.